Hey everyone, and welcome to the Yes I Can podcast, where our mission is to inspire and empower you to transform your life and transform the world by being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. I'm your host, Paul Can, and every week we are going to share amazing stories, strategies, and coaching to help you break through your limiting beliefs and supercharge your greatest superpower, the power of you. Your best life awaits. Let's go. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Yes, I Can podcast. Thank you for being on this journey with me and being here today. And, you know, every single time I am about to record an episode and every, every time I think about what should I talk about, I always have this moment, even though now I'm in a place in my career where literally my job is to speak, it's to use my voice, it's to be on stages. My voice is my toolbox for my work. And even as a keynote speaker, and even with the amount of workshops that I've done and the people that I can get in front of and the clients that I coach every single day, I still, every single time, have this little voice in my head that tells me, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I should talk about today. What would people want to hear? And I wanted to talk about that today around the challenges that I think we all face with using our voice. And I think many of us, myself included, have been in a place in our lives that we forgot what it looked like to use our voice. And I think I'm going back to my own childhood growing up. And as a kid, ever since I was very young, I had a lot to say. I always had something to talk about. I was a very active kid. I had so many different uh, ways of expressing myself. I was very dramatic. I was very energetic, but I was constantly made wrong for it. And I was always told to sit still and be quiet and not say too much and just don't cause too much trouble or any trouble at all. So just be there, but don't be heard. And speaking up, especially growing up in a Chinese household, was considered challenging authority and disobedience, which was a huge no-no. And so I really struggled with that my entire childhood and for most of my life with having so much to say, but not knowing what to do about it, not knowing where I should put all this energy that I had within me that I wanted to express into the world, but yet I wasn't allowed to. And I think that's something that is very, very common in Asian culture. And it is when you look at the way that a culture is built, especially Eastern versus Western culture, where in Eastern culture, so Asian culture, collective harmony outweighs individualism. So it's about the group. It's about the collective, not so much about you specifically. And that was so beautifully shown um, in that in, in Farewell, the movie that Aquafina was in, when she was caught between two worlds. So being caught between growing up in the US where individualism is not only celebrated, but highly encouraged, and then going back to your roots and where you came from, your family came from, and then dealing with a very different culture where it's not about you anymore. It's more about the collective and everybody is involved 
in everybody's life because everyone is attached. It's, it's part of the fabric of the culture and, and the family. And individualism is very much viewed as selfish because making it about you is something that is a no-no. It's looked down upon. So authenticity isn't really a thing. And I'd done a workshop recently where I spoke with um, a, a company and their employee group. The um, uh, and, and they were it was celebrating um, Asian Pacific Islander Month, and we talked about the challenge that everyone's come across with authenticity. Like, what does it mean to be authentic? And really struggling to have that authenticity be expressed, and so. For me, growing up, I was constantly in this tug of war of, of two worlds. So I grew up in a society where in the Western world, I was told to speak up. I was told to use my voice. If anything, if I did not use my voice, that was something that was looked down upon. So I wasn't stepping into my power. I wasn't expressing what I thought. I wasn't being in contribution. But at the same time, I was caught between this Eastern world that I was growing up in, where I was taught to keep it to myself, to not share my opinion, to not say too much, and that my opinion is just my own and really doesn't matter in in the collective. And when it comes to especially decisions, especially when it comes to sharing my thoughts, if it is something that is going against the grain, highly not encouraged to share what I had in mind. So the big question that I always had in my mind was, where do I stand? Where is my place in this world? Who am I? And especially who am I when I am torn between two worlds, torn between two ways of living, torn between two ways of showing up? And as children, and I'm starting to see this and and really be aware of it, especially now that I have a child myself, is when we constantly tell children to be quiet, when we constantly tell children to be that they are too much and to settle down, to keep themselves within this neat little box of what we think is appropriate, children start internalizing that as what's wrong with me. And that's exactly what happened with me as I started thinking about myself in a way that wasn't me in relationship with the world from a perspective of I'm unique and this is who I am and maybe I'm misunderstood or people don't don't quite see me and that's okay. But I started internalizing it as what is wrong with me. And that has taken me such a long time and I'm still working on it even right now to break through that thought pattern of what is wrong with me, defaulting to what is wrong with me, not being enough, not feeling worthy. And very naturally, we want to fit in. We want to belong. It's a part of who we innately are as humans is, is connection. We want to belong. And in order to belong and to fit in, we start adjusting ourselves. We start fitting a round peg into a square hole. And trying to make it work because we just really want to be accepted. And I know I really, really wanted my entire life to be accepted. But then in order to be accepted, in order to feel like I belong, 
I traded in my authenticity. I traded in my sovereignty of my voice. I traded in my uniqueness. And what made me special, not in the way that we devalue being special sometimes, but truly my gifts and my talents and my superpower that is only unique to me. But I didn't know that growing up. I didn't know that for most of my life. And so one thing is that we really want to be careful with children around telling them to answer, I don't know, when they're in different situations where we don't want them to reveal too much. We don't want them to say too much. Especially I found that in a lot of Asian cultures where we don't want to quote unquote air dirty laundry, or we don't want people to know too much about what's happening behind closed doors. And even in Western society, we deal with this as well around don't tell people too much stuff. Don't show people the quote unquote ugly parts of us. Don't show people the imperfect parts of us. And when we start telling children to not say too much, and if people ask to just say, I don't know what happens. And I have witnessed this myself up close is children start questioning themselves and they become unsure of what they do think. They become unsure of what really is the truth. I don't really know. Maybe I don't know. And I had that myself my whole life as well. I was constantly being told, you don't know what's best for you and you need to run everything by me before you make a decision. And even up until my adult years, I was constantly seeking validation. I would ask two, three, four, five people what their opinion was before I would finally make a decision. And I couldn't quite pinpoint what that was, but this sense of not trusting myself came from this place of being told over and over and over again that I don't know. And I think when we start telling children that, they start embodying that. So as we are now pouring into the next generation, I think it is really important to be cognizant of that. Because what happens is that when we dim and when we mute our authentic voice, it becomes a lost language. It becomes like a language that you learned many years ago, and then you stop speaking it for many, many, many years. And you find yourself in a place where you're like, how do I say that again? Or how do I hold a conversation again? And we have no clue because something that used to be so familiar to us has now become foreign. And so we forget how to speak it. We forget how to use our voice. We forget what it means to even have an authentic voice. We forget what we stand for. We forget how to distinguish between what do I think, what is my opinion, what is my stance on it versus what does everyone else think? What does everyone else feel? How is the collective responding? Or how should I respond in a way where people are going to like me? People are going to agree with me. And I think it's not just the words that we think. And it's not just the words that we say. It's how we feel. It's how we express ourselves. It is all of us. It is all of that that is affected by us not using our authentic voice. And without our authentic voice, we don't have anything to anchor us. So think about, I mean, Katy Perry's song, the, the paper bag, the plastic bag, floating through the wind. That's what comes to mind for me. 
Because what happens is that when we don't have something to anchor us, that this is my truth and this is my voice and I believe in it and I stand by it and give that power, what happens is that we start drifting with the wind. So we start moving according to what others' opinions are or what circumstances are coming up for us. And we shift every which way according to what is occurring outside of us. And that can be a really dangerous place to live in because we start making our stance based on what everyone else is thinking and feeling. And it can become a very tumultuous place to operate from because we're constantly, it's like a roller coaster. It's like up and down, up and down, up and down because there's nothing to anchor into. It's hard to know what direction to go towards when we don't know what voice to listen to. And the thing about it is, is that we've grown up in a culture where that voice, that direction, that compass has been made wrong. And we've been told at a very young age to put it away. And I even realized later on that many, many people, when I started sharing my experience and my story, many, many people, even if they're not from an Asian background, struggle with this. I think many of us have grown up in a place where we were told that we were constantly too much or uh, we were too loud, too this, too that. And we started dimming our light. We started dimming our voice. And we started wavering and we started hanging on to other people's anchor for support instead of holding on to our own anchor. And so we begin to await direction in life. And I know I, I really struggle with that for many years, trying to figure out where should I go and then constantly overthinking things. And the thing about overthinking is that we can get into analysis paralysis. It's, it's our brain's really, really smart way of having us do nothing. Because if we're in confusion, we don't have to make a choice. We don't have to make a decision. We don't have to move forward. We don't have to be creating big things. We don't have to be risking. We can stay in the super safe box where we just don't know. And because of the I don't know, it keeps us standing still. And it's a really, really smart way that our brain has learned to trick us into being in inaction. Because by being in action, we are moving into uncharted territory. We are moving towards risk. We are moving towards taking a leap of faith, the unknown. And that feels scary for us. So when we don't have a compass, our internal authentic voice telling us, this is my truth, we start waiting for something or someone else to tell us what to do where to go, and what to think. And we see that all the time when you look at how people are voting. A lot of times, many people vote blindly, or people take on the opinions of what they hear in the media or what they hear on social media. And instead of having that be neutral information where they can use their own filter to filter what is my truth and what is information that doesn't work for me or land with me, we don't really know where to go. And sometimes we just end up staying still kind of in the middle, not really having an opinion as well. That's kind of like a no man's land that we end up in is this kind of, I don't really know where I stand. And my wife would tell me this all the time where she would say to me, just take a stand, make a decision. What do you think? And I was so scared of voicing my opinion because I was scared of not being liked. I was scared that I would be rejected. I was scared to be made wrong. I was scared that it wouldn't be good enough and I would be shut down. 
And all those fears held me back from saying something, doing something, and being willing to take a stand. And underneath that, I simply just didn't, I didn't have the courage and I didn't have the belief in myself. I didn't have the trust in myself to stand by what I thought and what I believed in. And I wonder if that's something that you can relate to where you've been in a place in your life where you really felt like, or maybe you're in a place in your life where you feel like you can't really trust yourself. You don't quite know where exactly to go. And that's because when we start dimming our authentic voice and we're not using our voice, we're not taking a stand for our truth, it affects every facet of our lives. We start seeing it show up in our jobs where we're afraid to ask for what we want. It's really crazy. I was looking up the stat and only about 43% of people have ever asked in the workforce have ever asked for a raise, which means over 50% of the workforce has never asked for a raise for the job that they do. And also, there was another study that was done where out of that group that has never asked for a raise, it ranges depending on the study that you're looking at, around 40 to 50% of that group is unwilling to ask for a raise, which is so telling and so interesting that we're so afraid to ask for what we want. We're so afraid of being in that uncomfortable place to take a stand for ourselves. And it shows up in our relationships as well. We show, it shows up in our relationships where we're afraid to ask for what we want from our partner, from our spouse, and we just end up in this place where we want something and we feel a different way. But what we say in our action is different because we're afraid of revealing what is our truth and actually asking for what we need and what we want. We're afraid to ask for support. We end up being indecisive with the decisions that show up in front of us. We're not trusting ourselves, whether it's at home, whether it's every single day. It can be even as simple as us going to the restaurant and constantly questioning, what do I want to eat? What do I want to eat? Just not even trusting ourselves in any facet of our lives or you know, having different areas where we don't trust ourselves, not speaking up, not saying something, undervaluing ourselves and our worth. Something that was really powerful that I learned. When I was in corporate, I always thought that my value was tied to my job. So whatever you're paying me, I deem that as my value. But I realized that that is actually two separate things. We often equate what we're being paid for, our value, when in actuality, it's actually not our job, our employer's, not our employer's job, to pay us what we're worth. It's our job to determine what we're worth and to find the difference because our job is only going to pay us what our job is worth. It's not meant to pay us what we're worth, but we often equate the two together. We don't separate the two. So a lot of times we think that whatever you're going to pay me, that's what I'm worth. When actually it's our job, not our employer's job, to determine what am I worth? and to ask for what I'm worth, and to find a place that is in alignment and sees my worth. But that doesn't happen a lot of times. We end up stuck in these jobs that we may enjoy, or sometimes we don't enjoy, but we're under, we feel undervalued underneath. We feel like we're not getting the attention, we're not seen and heard in the way we should be. And yet we're unwilling sometimes to step out and say, hey, 
I can't be here because this doesn't do justice the amount of value that I bring to this organization, to this job, to the space, and to acknowledge the value that we bring to the table. And on top of that, the other challenge is that we struggle with commitment because we question, is this what I should stay in? Should it be this? Or maybe it's that. And every time a new opportunity, and I struggle with that all the time, is when new opportunities come up, it's like, hey, maybe I should jump ship to this. Maybe I should jump ship to this. And that's affected me in so many facets of my life up until recently when I started doing a ton of inner work and understanding where that comes from. Because ultimately, that came from me dimming and not acknowledging and listening to my inner voice. And what ends up happening is we create bitterness, we create resentment, there's burnout, there's anger, there's frustration. We struggle to move ahead in our relationships. We struggle to move ahead in our careers. And it's because what happens is we end up coming from a place of powerlessness, that we don't have the power to make a change. We don't have the power to affect XYZ outcome. We feel like we don't have a power to make a difference. And when we come from a place of powerlessness, there's many different ways that we can respond to that. Sometimes we respond to that in anger. A lot of times underneath anger is powerlessness, feeling like the only way that you can feel powerful is through force. And it doesn't necessarily mean physical force, but force from a perspective of tone, force from a perspective of words, force from a perspective of how we show up in our energy, needing to grab that power back. Or some people shut down and not say anything. So there's many different ways that we show or we show up in the space of powerlessness. But it really comes from us not having a voice, feeling like we don't have a voice. It's kind of like sitting in a boat with no engines and no paddles, and we're just kind of floating according to wherever the ocean takes us. We're at the mercy of the waves. We're at the mercy of the weather. And that's a challenging place to live in. That's exhausting. And I still remember how many challenging moments that brought into my life, in my relationships, in my career, in my business, simply because at the very core of it, I didn't give myself permission to trust myself or use my voice. And so one thing that really had me thinking recently, because I love superhero movies, is with superheroes, why in the world do they put their lives on the line? I mean, why would they put themselves out there? Even though they have a superpower or multiple superpowers, they're constantly putting their lives in danger. They're putting themselves into the line of fire where they are most likely going to get hurt, could be hurt in a really painful way. It could cost them their life. But why is it that these superheroes, time after time, rise up to the call? Why do they show up on the battlefield? Why do they show up in these challenging, dangerous situations? And I realized, aside from the fact that they have the superpower to do so and make a difference, is that they believe at the very core that they matter that their absence would have made all the difference in that situation, as would have their presence. So whether they showed up or didn't show up, it would have affected the outcome 
of that situation. And within them, they know, they know that even though sometimes they really don't want to go, that if they don't go, it's not because they don't have the power, it's because they made the choice not to. And I think that is often a very, when you come from that place and you realize that and you make the choice not to show up, it hits different. And I've been in that situation because after I started doing a lot of inner work and I started doing a lot of self-development work on myself, I couldn't even plead innocence with not knowing better in certain situations that I'd be in that I really didn't want to show up in. I couldn't even plead ignorance to whether or not I'd actually be able to make a difference for family, for friends, for people in my life. I knew it was inconvenient. I knew it was uncomfortable. I didn't want to do it. But inside, I could hear that voice that told me that there was no way I didn't know that if I did show up, I can make a difference for that person, for that situation. And if I didn't show up, I would have to sit with, I would have to live with how I chose to not show up in that moment, even though I had the power to change things. And I think that is, if anything, it's that regret. It's that guilt that chips away at you. And that's why I think a lot of times it's easier to plead ignorance than to be aware, to be awakened to the power that we truly have, because it would actually mean we had to do something about it. And that's a really challenging place. It's kind of like knowing that if you said something, it would make a difference, but you also know what would come the other way, the discomfort, and maybe you might not be liked, and you might be in a situation where you're uncomfortable, you might be embarrassed, you might be humiliated, and it might change the way people look at you. But at the same time, knowing that if you did say something, though, it would make a difference in that conversation, might have made a difference for another person in that room. And I think when we start realizing that our voice is important because it's our stamp in the world, it is our stake in the ground, that we matter, that I matter, that you matter, we matter, each and every single one of us. And the more people get awakened to that truth that we matter, whether we feel like our voice or our abilities are big or small, all of it matters. All of it makes a difference, even if it seems like a small difference. Because here's the thing, is that our voice is what creates our inner power. Because then we know when we recognize that, when we're aware of the power of our voice, when we are awakened to what is within us, And what could be possible when we express that outward to know that whether you say or don't say something or do or don't say, don't do something matters. It creates an effect in our lives, whether we recognize it or not. And that choice alone is powerful. It has power because now we have a choice. We're no longer victim to life. We're not like, we don't have a choice and this circumstance happened to me. No, we got to make a choice. It may not have been a choice we like to make. We may not like our options. But when we come from a place where we realize that our choice alone, having the choice, recognizing that we are making a choice, matters and holds power, that alone can alter the trajectory of 
your life and the lives of those around you. And so when we don't use our voice and we don't give power to it, we're telling the world, I don't matter. I don't matter. And so when we give ourselves permission to use our voice, to stand up for something, to say that we believe in something, to stand by something, it starts changing everything in our lives. It starts changing the way we show up, our energy, our presence, the way we speak, the way we show up, our confidence, the results we create in our lives. It affects every single facet of our lives because we start injecting power into it. Instead of showing up in a way that I don't matter and nothing matters and how I show up doesn't matter and I don't know, which is coming from a powerless place, which is coming from a place where we're living our lives in a place of victim according to circumstance and we're swayed by the wind, when we give power to our voice, give power to what we believe in, and we stand up for it, we start injecting that power into our voice, into our energy, into every space that we show up in. And we will start seeing, and I, I would challenge you to look at that, the effect that it, would, it creates in your life, how people respond to you, how you respond to people, how you feel when you're walking into situations, when you can stand by who you are, what you believe in, it completely changes the trajectory of where you're headed and how you show up in your life and what you create. Just imagine how boring a world would be if the only flavor available was vanilla. And that's what happens when we don't use our voice, when we don't express ourselves, when we don't give permission and power to our authentic truth is that it's just a vanilla world. And just think about how much more amazing our world is because of all the flavors that are available that we can taste. We are those flavors. We are what brings the joy and the fun and the extraordinary into an otherwise very mundane life. So if you're in this place where you're like, okay, Paul, that's great. I understand that. How do I change this? And here's the thing is that I want you to know that it's a journey. And I want you to know that there's many people that are on this journey with you. All of us, I think, have been in a place before where we have struggled in some way, shape, or form with using our voice, with discovering our voice, with listening to ourselves, with understanding ourselves, being aware of who we are. And here's the beautiful thing about that is that there's something we can do about that. We can change that by practicing. We can change that by making a conscious choice to shift how we show up. And so what does that look like? I'm going to give you three different ways that you can start doing that today. Number one, start talking. What does that mean, start talking? It doesn't necessarily mean go find a stage and go do public speaking. Start talking just means giving yourself permission to practice using your voice. Sounds really, really silly considering we talk all the time. Literally every single day, we talk in some way, shape, or form to somebody. But often we don't give ourselves the platform, the space to express ourselves without filtering ourselves. So we put so many filters in often because we're thinking about how, is pe- how are people going to respond to me? What is that person going to feel? Am I going to look stupid? I'm going to embarrass myself. But the thing about it is that we start, we start filtering ourselves. And then we start filtering it so much that it becomes like auto-tune when you think about it. It's like so different than the original voice. When there might 
there's nothing wrong with the original voice. It's like T-Pain <laughs> when he took himself off, off auto-tune. He's like, whoa, man, you can sing. <laughs> yeah, he can sing. He just added a layer onto it. I mean, for him, it was kind of like, you know, whole other story there where it was for, you know, decorative purposes and it was like a sound and just kind of became a signature voice and people thought it just, and it became this whole auto-tune thing happened. But underneath that, there was always a, a, a beautiful voice. And that beautiful voice within you is waiting to come out. So maybe it starts with something small. Record yourself. There's many different apps that you can do this. Marco Polo is a really great one. If it's even if you like make another account with somebody, you know, like uh, another account that's like another person that you're speaking to, but it's really yourself, you can do that. Um, or if there's someone you really love and trust that you can just start talking face to face with. It's really about seeing yourself. It's really about hearing yourself, giving yourself space to say, you can express yourself here and you're safe to express yourself here. So it might be a Marco Polo. Um, it might just even be your video app on your phone, just recording yourself on video, recording yourself on the voice recorder app. Maybe it's journaling. Writing is a really great way as well, but giving yourself some sort of space to get out of our heads because we start overanalyzing. We start thinking in a million different directions. We start second guessing ourselves. We just start putting it out there and not making ourselves wrong for it. We allow ourselves to practice using our voice. And the more we practice, the more we can filter out what is actually our voice and what am I actually thinking and feeling and what is actually just fluff on top of that? What is, what is the filter that is just there, that is filtering my voice? We can start distinguishing between the two. Second is create an outlet for your voice and share it. An outlet like Marco Polo, like video, like voice recorder is great. And at the same time, when we have a gift and we don't allow that gift to be seen, it's kind of like burying gold in the dirt. It can only multiply when it is seen, when it is recognized, and when it is utilized. So that's the same as your voice. So you can start small with whatever that is. Maybe it's starting with people that you trust, giving yourself a space to express yourself. For some people, it might be artistically, where they are sharing their art, they're talking about their art. It might be music. It might be poetry. It might be just talking. It might be some other way where you are expressing yourself authentically, but giving yourself a space and giving yourself an audience just to be seen. You know, a lot of times we put social media out there because we're looking at the likes, but what if we can reverse that, that we're not doing it for someone else, but we're just doing it for ourselves. And if you start, uh, if you look at actually a lot of social media influencers, people that have really blown up some of them. They really started for themselves. Uh, one person I, I love and look up to is a superwoman, Lily Singh. She started for herself. She just started creating these videos and putting them up online and you know, expressing her comedic side, her humorous side, and then it completely blew up um, to where it is now. So it starts small, but start somewhere. Give yourself space to start somewhere. And then maybe graduate after that, graduate to something a little bit bigger. Social media, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. There's so many different venues, podcasts, blogs, websites, many, 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 many different ways, articles, journals, many, many different ways that you can put your voice out there. But putting your voice out there matters. It, it's not about the likes. It's about that act of saying, regardless, 
if anyone sees this or hears this, that I'm going to put myself out in the world anyways, because my voice matters, even if it feels like a whisper right now. And lastly, set stretch goal markers for yourself. What does that mean? Think about it from a rubber band perspective. When you continue to stretch a rubber band over time, it stretches it stretches out wider and wider and wider. But if you don't stretch it out, it's very, very tight in terms of the area that it can stretch around is very limited. But as you continue stretching, it gets softer, it gets easier, and you're able to hold more. That's the same thing for our capacity. When we begin to stretch our capacity, we can hold more, we can do more, we can take on more. So create goal markers for yourself that are stretchy. What does that mean? It's something that you can set for yourself as a goalpost so that you can move towards it, continue to move forward towards the best version of yourself, towards a version of yourself that uses your voice and takes a stand in the world and is your most powerful self. So it could start with something like speaking up at a meeting, setting a goal. I'm going to speak up at the next meeting. I'm going to speak up at a meeting this month or saying something at a family gathering. Um, It might be sharing your thoughts on a social media post. It might be actually speaking on a physical stage if that's what you've always wanted to do is be a keynote speaker or speak in public is find a stage to speak in virtual or in person. There's so many different stages that you can speak at for free. Summit, podcasts, there's tons of associations and organizations around the world, around North America that are looking for speakers all the time. It's a great place to start. It doesn't have to start on the TEDx stage. It doesn't start on the TED stage. It doesn't start on you know, the world's biggest conferences. That's not where keynote speakers, that's not where speakers start. They start in places where there's two, three people. They might start with their own virtual events. I mean, my first virtual event, literally no one ever showed up. There was one person that showed up and dropped off after like 10 minutes. And my wife was the only other person. I will never forget my very first workshop. It was free. Nobody showed up. It was so heartbreaking. But at the same time, even though I saw that lady drop off, I kept going. I kept going, kept recording as if there was 100 people in the room. And after I finished recording that, I felt so great about myself. It felt really powerful. I felt really proud of myself because regardless of if there was anyone in the room, I get to show up like I matter. And that really has changed the trajectory of my career. And you know, now I'm being paid to speak on stages, which I never even thought was possible. I'm being paid to do workshops, being paid to go into organizations and different associations. But I didn't start there. I started in a place where no one saw me. I started in a place where it was just me looking back at myself and literally my wife. <laughs> on our phone, off camera. That's where it started. And then next, it was my parents that showed up to my workshops. And then it was one person. And then it was five people. And then it was 10 people. And then it was 50 bucks to speak. And then it was 100 bucks. And then it moved up from there. And so what I'm trying to share with you is that the small steps matters. The first step matters. It's not about where you are right now. It's about beginning the journey. And so set that stretchy marker for yourself. 
whatever that is, to start taking steps forward, no matter how small you think they are, because they all add up, they all matter. And next thing you know, you're going to look back and look and say to yourself, wow, I cannot believe how far I've come. But it started with that first step, started with the first few steps and continuing to take the next steps forward. Next thing you know, you're going to be so much further than you realize, and your life is going to take a totally different trajectory than where it is today. So start talking, create an outlet for your voice, share it with the world, and start setting stretchy goal markers for yourself to start moving forward towards your vision of your version of an extraordinary life. So thank you so much for joining me. I hope this was supportive for you. I am rooting for you. You matter. There's only one of you. You're extraordinary just as you are. And I hope you give yourself, starting today, the opportunity for not only you to see it, but the rest of the world to see you in the spotlight as your unique, powerful, extraordinary self. And so until next time, Keep being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. We'll see you next time. The Yes I Can podcast is directed by Paul Can. Executive producers of the podcast are Paul Can, Chelsea Lynn, and Joy Sauce.